Good morning, Community Church. Welcome to those that are here. Bless you. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, he says this, makes this astounding statement. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. And the reason he gives is because of the permanence of the things that are unseen. He's saying, he's saying this to us. He's saying, listen, I want you to orient around the things that will not pass away, that endure forever. We have an opportunity this morning to engage with one of two realms, one realm that's passing away and one realm that will endure forever. Now, we live in the realm that's passing away, but our spirits are connected to a world that endures forever. And so as we worship, as we enter in today, we're, we're asking God in one sense, Lord, show us with greater clarity the world that you live in that will not pass away, that is our eternal habitation. So, Father, we pray this morning, help us, Lord, to engage with the invisible. Help us to engage with the permanent this morning as we worship you. In Jesus' name, let's worship him. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you invited us into your work. Thank you for including us as partners and co-heirs and co-laborers in your work. Every time we enter into this atmosphere, it makes me want to share the template of what God is doing because I know we don't all get it. But one day the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. But before the earth is filled, regions will be filled. Churches will be filled. And it happens because of a certain quality of worship that arises from the people of God. The kind that the psalm says that he wants to inhabit. There are praises that he inhabits. That means he infuses himself into. So, Father, we thank you, God, that you are training us as your body to manifest your presence on the earth. God, we pray in Jesus' name. Show us, teach us. We want to participate in your work. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. You know, years ago, when we brought Chris back on staff, he used to be the youth pastor here, and he went away to Watoto, did some great work in Africa, and he came back, and he, and he had this vision. He said, I, I really feel like we're called, I'm called to pastor the city, to, to affect the city. And, and I said, well, you know, let, let's, let's bring you on staff. Let's see how this goes. And God began to bring together a model. Of, of outreach, of touching a city around us. But it began with prayer and intercession and worship and prophetic declaration. Because I'm going to share this morning, uh, so in, when I share, I'm going to share a teaching that you've heard before, but hopefully I'm going to elaborate on some parts that you're not familiar with. 
But I said, listen, Ezekiel 47 talks about a river that's going to fill, it's going to touch the earth. It's going it's to come out of the eastern gate of Jerusalem. It's not a visible river. It's a spiritual river, but it's a river of life. I said, what we are as a church is a gateway for that river to come into our community. It's not enough to have programs that reach the community. You need the, the living water. But if we could match these two things together, if we could have initiatives filled with living water, we will change our community. And for the last 15 or more years, we've been working together with two emphases. One that releases living water, the other that creates channels for that living water to get into the community. I believe it's an apostolic model for changing cities and regions. As an evidence of that, Chris is going to come and share a testimony of something that happened this week. It's one little sign that we are touching on a level of fruitfulness. You know, the worship he's talking about isn't just the worship taking place here this morning. It's the worship that takes place all week long, right? As the body of Christ calls on his name, as the body of Christ is crying out for a city, for a community. When a body begins to do that, because they really want to, because they really care, something begins to shift. We had a bunch of testimonies a couple weeks ago, and we've seen God doing some supernatural things in the area of addictions, and he's going to keep doing it. And this week, he just gave us another little treat of what he wants to do if we're willing to say yes to the call. So Friday, we have a group that prays here from 9 till 11 o'clock every Friday. And I was off to teach at Grimania School. And I got a phone call because the weather was so cold that they canceled all the buses. So because they canceled the buses, I didn't have to go teach at Grimania. So I came back to the church, walked in, went into my office for a little bit. And then May's, May's telling me that some lady's on the phone because apparently some guy is parked in our parking lot who's at the end of himself. And I'm asking for a little bit more information. We're beginning to talk about it. But eventually this guy walks into the church on Friday morning. He comes in, he comes into my office guy who went to work in the morning got to work and just broke down at work sitting in his truck his boss sees him comes out and says are you okay he says no I'm not just having a breakdown his boss says go home well he lives out in the Beaumont area he didn't go home he decided to come out here because he's got a kid out this way but as he's driving around all of a sudden he felt like he had to pull into this parking lot. And he had no clue why. That's what he told me. I have no clue why I'm in your parking lot. But I'm in your parking lot. And I got to sit down with him for the next 45 minutes or so. He began to share his story. The story of a lot of stuff that's going on in his life like everybody else out there. But when he was young... He went to church just for a little bit. So I remember being in church. And I was able to share my testimony with him and share some other things. And before I knew it, I had a 38, 39-year-old man in my office bawling his eyes out, giving his life to Jesus Christ. 
They didn't stop there. We, because uh, he lives in Beaumont, we phoned Landon Dorsch, who is a pastor out of Gateway. We did a three-way call in my office with Landon. And this fellow's name is Brandon, and he just texted me about 30 minutes ago to say I'm off to church today. Landon's waiting for him. God's about to start a process in his life. If we are faithful to the call, he's going to do what he does. It's about to happen, church. I believe it with all my heart. So right now, Brandon, I know you're at church in Leduc, but I'm going to tell you to watch this later. I want you to see this as well. That right here, right now, I'm going to ask our church to stand up. And we're going to extend our hands right towards you. And you're going to watch this on the camera. And we're saying right now, Brandon, we're praying for you. We're believing for you. It's not just one person. Right now, look around. There's over 200 people that are beginning to call on the name of Jesus to say, Jesus, touch Brandon's life. Begin to move in his life. I pray for shift in his journey. I pray for shift in his family. I pray for shift in his mind and his heart. And I pray that all the things that are going off would begin to fall down to the ground. And right now, Brandon, we agree with you. Change is happening. Something's about to shift. It's about to happen now. It's about to happen today. We claim it in the name of Jesus Christ. You are not alone. You have a body of people standing behind you, brother. Can we say amen, church? Amen. All right. Well, so good to be back. Feels like I've been away for three weeks, but it's only been two. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, so uh, I, I checked in last week. Uh, Ken and I and I were, have you been back one week or is this your first Sunday back? First Sunday, yeah, we, it was last week. You know, when you're away so much, I couldn't remember which was which, but uh, we had a, an event in, in um, Abbotsford. Ken and I came and led the worship. It was, it was rich and powerful and uh, wonderful in so many ways. Anyway, so, so great to be back at our church. Hallelujah. What? Oh, thank you, thank you. Well, um, uh, while I'd love to say a lot about the trip, we'll get right to business because I know that uh, I know that you're eagerly waiting to leave. <laughs> well, maybe not everybody. But uh, I, I, I was thinking this morning. I felt like the Lord was reemphasizing to me, and this is what I. This is one of the things I do. And maybe you're thinking, "Oh, do we have to listen to this again?" Yeah. Yeah, you have to listen to it again. Because, because leading a ministry, leading uh, something like what we're doing as a church, we have to be reminded again and again and again and again. You know, it's like coaching a baseball team. Baseball is relatively simple. You, you know, when, when you're losing games, you go back to the basics. The basics is throwing the ball, hitting the ball, you know, um, running the bases. That's all it is, and that's that's all we're doing. And when we're not doing that effectively, we start to lose games, and so that's where you start. Same with any sport. Same with any business. If a business uh, is failing, you have to reinforce the fundamentals. And sometimes what happens when businesses start to grow is there's room for distraction. And what, what happens is when you start to get lots of revenues, then all the different part, uh, department managers start wanting their, 
their budgets to be bloated. And when you have bloated budgets and lots of money to spend, what happens is secondary priorities start to circumvent and overwhelm the initial priority. And that can go on a long time. And if you're not taxed for income, you know, maybe nobody will notice. But at some point, if you're starting to to run out of revenue, you start to reemphasize the main thing. And so what that means is often confronting department managers and saying, like, do you know what it is we do here? (laughs) Right? This is always the fundamental role of a CEO or, you know, somebody who's in charge of vision to say, listen, this is really what we're about. And if you're a company that I, I looked up, Widgets. I was thinking, I wanted to use the word widgets this morning. So, of course, the first thing that comes up is computer widgets. But that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rubber little fillers that put in holes and, you know, our buffers between different pieces of equipment. Widgets. And if we're producing widgets, what matters is how many widgets we get out the door. You know, not how comfortable uh, the, the, the lunchroom is. You know, not all the extras are extras. If we can afford them, we can afford them. But essentially, we exist to manufacture and sell widgets. And at the end of the day, this enterprise, this company, is about getting this product out of the door. And so similarly, we have to remind ourselves again and again and again, what are we doing here? What are we doing here in the church? What is this really about? You know, we're not, we're not manufacturing widgets, but we are doing something and if I started asking around the room, and if we, we did this, and you know, what do you think this is really about? Some, we'd have all kinds of great answers. Well, it's about love. Good answer. It's about love. Well, it's about, it's about disciples. It's about salvation. It's about evangelism. It's about this, you know, there's, there's so many parts to this that it's easy to say, well, throw out a term, and that's an important part of this. But here's the question. If you've got, if you're selling widgets, and you're trying to make a profit, the bottom line is, how profitable are you? How much money are you making? How much money's in the bank? What are you losing? What are you gaining? You know, at the end of every month, once you calculate your expenses, what have you got this month that you didn't have last month? That's what you're looking for. Because at the end of the day, if you're, if you're going to do anything, you need money in the bank. So when God is thinking about the church, when God is thinking about the kingdom, how is he measuring our success? How is he, how is he evaluating whether we're doing this well? Well, yeah, it's a great question. I love it. But let me read a scripture to you. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 to 11. Uh, I was going to share just one verse, but there's so many other ones around it there. I'll just share a bunch. It says this, but this is the Apostle Peter talking. Now, consider what he's saying. It reveals so many parts to this. But the end of all things is at hand. Interesting that he said that almost 2,000 years ago. (laughs) Suggests that maybe he didn't know for sure how long this was going to take. It's already been a while, he thought. (laughs) But he says, but the end of all things is at hand. And maybe the Spirit of God was intimating, no, for you, Peter. (laughs) You will be dying soon. (laughs) Whatever. But this is what he says. Therefore, be serious 
and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. Okay, there's, a, there's an important priority. Have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister, minister it to one another as good stewards, stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, some, some great, great things there. But here's, here's what I want to focus on. Because we're here in this church. I'm, I'm the senior leader. Chris is the lead pastor. You know, we've got an eldership team. We've got prayer teams. We've got greeters. We've got prayer people. We're training up, uh, you know, uh, marriage counseling teams. I mean, a lot of great things happen. All of these things are essential, right? Every single activity is essential. But every single activity can be reduced to what it is that we're creating or what it is that we're communicating, what it is that we're... When somebody talks to somebody else, when somebody does an act of service, when somebody, uh, you know, uh, prays for somebody, what is it they're accomplishing? Well, we're trying to edify people. We're trying to encourage people. Yeah, okay, but encouragement is a a nebulous kind of a thing. How do you rate your level of encouraging? You know, oh, uh, I think that was a 10. Okay, based on what scale? The Russian scale. All right, talking to the Russian judge. You you know, these things are all imperfect measurements, and yet God is a pretty exacting God. I mean, have you read his instructions when he told Moses to build the tabernacle? He was quite specific about everything. I mean, down to the last detail, he was specific. So my, my, my point in saying this is God is not vague about how he's measuring success. God has a very specific way that he's calculating how you are contributing to his kingdom. Are we losing sound? Okay. This must be the spot I'm in. He's very specific about how he's measuring what we are doing. And so he says these words, which kind of struck me as I was thinking about it this morning. I love it. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty high order. The oracles of God. You know, in the Catholic tradition, they call it speaking ex cathedra. You're speaking as if God were speaking. Yeah, but it's not just for the Pope once a year. <laughs> it's for anyone who speaks. Wow, that's, that's why he says, you know, those who speak a lot will be judged a lot. Well, who wants the mic now? <laughs> All right. If anyone ministers, this, this, I love this. Let him do it with the ability which God supplies. Now, the fact that that admonition is there means there's alternatives. <laughs> right? Let him do it with the, with, the, with the substance, with the energy, with the product, with the supply that comes from above. What that means is is we have all kinds of other options. We have all kinds of other sources. 
And here's the here's the the bottom line: is if you don't do this with the product that God has supplied, you're not going to produce the product that He wants. And so, what does that mean? Well, that means this. It means it's not enough for us just to come to church. It's not enough for us to just read the Bible. It's not enough for us just to give our tithes. It's not enough for us just to shovel the walk or, or cook a dinner. I mean, those are great. Those are great starting points. I mean, I mean, if you're doing things that have a semblance of good deeds, I say go for it. Do it as hard as you can, but realize that you are in a journey where God is saying, I don't want you to just cook meals for the poor or supply or go out and do these things. I want you to do it with the ability that I'm supplying. Well, how would a guy know that? Right? You know, I, how, how, how do we measure that? You know, let's line up eight people. Let's have all of you read a scripture, and we'll evaluate from one to ten who's doing it with the power that God's supplying. <laughs> what is it about intonation? Is it about intensity? Is it about volume? Is it about perfect articulation? No, obviously it's about, it's about a component that belongs to an invisible realm. Everything that we're doing has to do with an invisible realm. Jesus uh, is talking and he says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it's not enough to sing biblically correct songs. Because you can sing those songs and still not be doing it. It's not enough to just be creating disciples. Because he said to the Pharisees, he said, you comb the earth making disciples, and when you make one, you make them twice the child of hell that you are. Okay? (laughs) There are alternatives. There's different kinds of products being produced. And the question is, are we oriented? Do we care enough to want to know? Or are we so insecure about whether we're pleasing God or not. We just never want to look into the mirror of evaluation. Let me tell you, God dwells in infinite light, in unapproachable light. And uh, the Bible says that when we, we're looking at him, it's like looking in a mirror and you, what you get to see is what you really are, how you are measuring up. And if even that word measuring up scares you, then Relax. Relax, just do what you can. You know, come to church, lift your hands, try and come on time. <laughs> because if you're afraid of that word accountability, if you're afraid of the word measurement, if you're afraid of the word, uh, these words that talk about some kind of accountability, then you're probably not yet in that season. But believe me, it's coming. Because God is not just interested that people lift up their hands. He says, lift up your holy hands. Like there, there, there are adjunct uh, aspects to everything that he's telling us to do. Here's a particular way God wants things done. Okay. All right. I think that's, it's clear. There's a particular way God wants done. But how do we answer that question? Let's go back to how is God measuring the advance? How is he doing that? What is his accounting system in heaven? 
Well, first have to, we have to know what it is we're peddling. What it is we're, we're releasing. What is the basic commodity that God is bringing into the earth? And, and, and let me be clear, it's one simple thing. It boils down to one element. You know what it is? Living water. Living water. Well, I haven't seen any living water. You guys don't even have bowls around here. <laughs> right? We're going to talk about living water because at the end of the day, our, our productivity in the kingdom is, is reduced to this. Are we producing living water? That's the, that's the thing that God supplies, living water. So the question is this. Is the catalyst behind what you're doing living water? Well, sometimes it's guilt. Sometimes it's shame. Sometimes it's pressure because, Mark, you're a hard taskmaster. Sometimes I just lift my hands because I know you're looking. <laughs> Sometimes I don't want to come on time, but I come on time because I don't want you to scowl in my general direction. I'm trying not to scowl. I, I, and I don't think bad thoughts about you. But I am cognizant that we are here to do something. I am aware of the fact that when God gathers the church together, it's not just so we can be in the same room. That he's doing something. He's producing something. The kingdom is being systematically advanced from day to day and week to week by a particular brand of people who have come in to an alignment with him. And we should want to align him with him because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when we stand before him, he is going to evaluate that alignment. Yes, yes. And we're going to want to be on the right side of that evaluation. Yeah. Now, if you're here and you're saved, you're going to go to heaven. That's, that's, you, know, that's, that's, you don't have to worry about that. But there's more than just being in heaven. Yeah. But we'll talk about that some other time. So, uh, what is the... Uh, what is, the, what is the thing that God uses? How can we synthesize this? Well, John chapter 4, verse 13 says this. Actually, I, I'm going to skip ahead because I turned to a different scripture. I didn't, let's, go to, let's go to Ezekiel. When in this, there's about four or five places where, where we get an insight into what's happening behind the curtain. All right. These prophetic insights are important because they tell us about the material nature of the spirit realm. And when I by material nature, I mean the spirit realm is concrete. It's not just clouds and mist. I mean there's real structures there. In fact, everything that we see here that has substance to it exists because of the substance that is spirit. And so in 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 respect to God, the substance of the realm where he lives is far more substantive than this one. Yes. And that's what the scripture I read at the beginning. I said, you know, while we, the exhortation is Paul, is while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. And yet there's a tyranny in the things which are seen, which demand our attention, which, which cause us to orient around them. And that's why we can be satisfied with just lifting our hands and saying the right words. 
But yet Jesus says, I don't just say the right words. I'm not just saying correct words. I'm not just saying theological words. I am saying words that are spirit and they are life. They have their origin. They are of a certain type. And my ability to do what I do is because I'm releasing the commodity that is of a certain type from a certain place. And that commodity is living water. So, does this hold true across the board? Is this, is this everywhere in the Bible, or is this a, a fancy notion that's mentioned on the side and sort of superficial? No. Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel the prophet is sharing about this experience he has, and he says, and the Spirit of God is taking him and showing him things. It says, then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from underneath the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east, and the water was flowing under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate, and he led me around to the side, on the outside, to the outer gate that faces east, and there was water running out the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the spirit in his, with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured further 1,000, and it brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through, and the water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. I love this. He says, Son of man, have you seen this? Like, Do you understand? Are you perceiving? Do you see the significance of what I'm showing you here? When I returned there, along the bank of the river, there were many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. And here's this powerful statement. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live there will be a great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the water goes. Ah, man, I, I, I love that picture. And this is, a, this is the prophetic picture that gives us the framework for how God views the advancing of the kingdom. How, the, the way that this should work. People are touched by living water. People are affected by living water. The sea represents the nations, the masses. Now we're going to go to another passage in a second, or maybe just reference it, I'm not sure. Revelations 22, where it talks about the river, the same river that comes out from the throne of God. On either side of the, that river is the, is the tree of life, and its leaves are for the healing of the nations. God has provided a commodity for the restoration of people. And this central commodity 
is what we are peddling. And that means that, well, but what if I'm not a speaker? Well, it doesn't just, it's not just release when you speak. Every act of service that's catalyzed by living water communicates living water. When you give a sandwich and you are moved by living water, if you are moved by the love that was created by living water flowing through you, then there's something spiritual in that exchange. You're not just giving a sandwich, you're giving a sandwich that's surrounded in living water, that there's more to this exchange, this interchange, than just a sandwich. But if you've ever given a sandwich before, sometimes we give it, I gave a sandwich, I tell that story again and again, I gave $5 to a guy on the street, and after I gave it to him years ago, this is when I was in Bible college, and I did it out of guilt, completely out of guilt and shame, and I thought this was gonna get me in God's good books again. Look at, look at God, I'm doing good things. And as soon as I gave that five dollars, said, "Well, that was a waste." I mean, the guy still gets the sandwich; he still gets his McDonald's meal. They got you a decent McDonald's meal in 1982. <laughs> Less today, but there was no living water with that because the act was born not of living water. It was born of the slime of shame. The Lord's like, thanks for that, Mark. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, let me, let me turn to another passage. In uh, John chapter 4. John chapter 4, Jesus has his encounter with the woman at the well. And you know the conversation, uh, uh, so I'm just going to focus on the part that, that matters. In verse 13, because she's asking him, you know, who are you? Where are you going to get this living water? You've got no jar, right? She doesn't understand. He's talking about a realm. He's talking about something invisible. He's talking about something she can't see. But it is the original uh, genesis of living water. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of the wa- this water, speaking of the natural water, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He said, he said listen, listen, my goal here." It's not just to give you a drink that will satisfy you for the second, for a moment, and then tomorrow you're going to need another one. But this is a magic, this is a supernatural drink. And when, it, when you drink this drink, it not only satisfies you, but it creates a well inside of you. It creates a connection with the river of God that's coming out of the throne. Why? Because I want you to be a peddler of living water. Now, Here's the problem, is that if we don't know the difference between doing an act of kindness and doing an act of kindness motivated by living water, we have no, no ability to know. It's like somebody singing who's deaf, they don't know what key they're in. And you don't even know what syllables are articulating. That's why deaf people lose the ability to articulate with precision, because they have no reference point for anything that they're doing. And often, 
when I look around the church, that's the reality. People are going through liturgical motions because they feel like this is all they know. Well, we're going to sing this song. We're going to read this scripture. And yet not realizing that there's night and day difference between reading the scripture and releasing living water and just reading the scripture, which is the letter that kills. But that night and day difference, though it's unknown to many, it should be increasingly known to us. And that is the objective for us being together, worshiping as we are, coming under authority, walking together, so we can evaluate how are we doing. How are we doing? How are you doing? Do we even realize that heaven is gazing upon us and you know, in a positive way, cheering you on, saying, you got this, you, you, you are connected to the supply. There's more of this. But sometimes we, we, just, we just don't know. We just don't know. So I was, uh, I was in Abbotsford this last week. He did a conference, we called it well, we didn't call it. They called it opening the gate. It was a great, it was a great moment, great event. Worship was great. Worship team was great. Ken and I did an amazing job. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to create channels, sources. We're, we're trying to do is make worship happen that is connecting with the supernatural realm. When we gathered on a Sunday morning, we're not just going through a list of songs. We are causing, we're, we're looking to cause some outcome, something to happen, a door to open that causes river, living rivers to come through it. And so my question is always uh, to people when, when we're worshiping, because I'm training them for this very thing. I asked them at one point, I said, did you feel that shift right at that point. And half the room said yes. And the other half had no idea. And that's the reality. But you don't have no idea because God is hiding it from you. You just don't know yet. But we are here because God has an abundant supply of life, living water that he wants to pour out into a community. Now, when I look at the body of Christ all over the earth, well, let's, let's look at the city of Edmonton or Canada or Alberta. I don't know how many churches there are in this nation, but when God is looking at the landscape of churches, you get it, just picture it in your mind, just a landscape dotted with steeples, represented churches. Not all churches have steeples, I know, but let's just pretend that they're identifiable in some way. And they're all there, and, he, and maybe an angel is counting him. Wow, this is great, Lord. We have 10,000 churches. He doesn't care about 10,000 churches in the sense that the way he's counting. He's, his question is, how many of them are pouring out living water? How many of them are pouring out living water? How many of them are going through rituals that, uh, that, that are consistent with a certain orthodoxy and a certain template of theological truth, but aren't producing living water? Like, cross them off the list. What it, why am I saying that? Is, are, is God unappreciative? 
Oh, it's not about appreciation. It's not even about the sincerity of the people doing it. At the end of the day, it's about is the job being done? When Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit and life, you know, he wasn't hopeful. Well, I hope I'm doing a good job. He understood. He understood what was, what was happening. And he's walking through the crowd, and I've referenced this again and again and again, and I keep referencing it because it's so critical. He's walking through the crowd, the woman with the issue of blood, she needs healing, she's in faith, she touches his, the garment, and suddenly power goes out from him and heals her, and Jesus turns to his disciples and says, who touched me? Why? Well, why everybody touched you? No, no, no. Somebody touched me in a significant way. Uh, something. I felt power go out for me. There was a trigger. There was a moment where somebody tapped into living water that I have, and something went out. Who did that? Why was he so interested? Because that's the only touch that matters. Not how many. How many? Are you counting how many people are following us today? You know. No, because there's all kinds of reasons why people are following. At one point, he says, he says, you follow me because yesterday I did a miracle and you ate loaves and fishes for free. And so today I'm saying things like eat my flesh, drink my blood, because I don't want those guys who would stumble over that saying to follow me. I want you to stop following me. Because I'm producing a disciple that's producing living water. I don't want just the following. I don't want churches full. I don't want systems that engage thousands of people. I want one system in place that begins with somebody drinking living water and causing a a well to well up in them and starts to overwhelm all of their lives such that everything they do is catalyzed by living water and therefore their life is increasingly a tributary. It is a a creek, a running river of living water. That's what I'm measuring. Now, how do we know what we're doing? How do we know if we're doing that? We're here at Community Church of course, everybody's like, wow, we got really good worship here. Musicians are great, right? And songs are great. You know, we got good songs, good singers, good melodies, good harmonies, you know, smoking drums. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Heaven has not moved, and neither is hell. Living water is the only thing that changes the world around us. Now, here's the problem that we have. Is there's no objective evidence, right? There's no objective evidence. I mean, the disciples are following Jesus. They're trying to mimic what he's saying. You know, and he, he says a lot of things, and so they're, they're, they're trying to do what he says. But eventually we get to this place where he says, you know, who do men say that I am? And Simon comes up with the, what he says is the right answer, but it's more than the right answer. He got it from the, the right source. And so in Matthew 16, he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because this didn't come from you. This came from above. 
and said, on this I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail over it. Why? What is he saying? This is the template. He said, when substance comes that is of a living water uh, sort, kind, that, that it's Im- impervious to anything the enemy would try to do. Everything else you do, whether it's well thought of, whether it's sincere, whether it's consistent with the Bible, doesn't matter. If it's not living water, it's powerless. Well, how do we know the difference? That's the journey. That is the journey. Well, you know, I've been to all kinds of spiritual warfare conferences and intercessory conferences, and I know how to pray in the name of Jesus, and I, and I can do it with the right articulation, the right theology, and the right volume intensity. Doesn't matter. Is it living water? And here's where we're at right now. How badly do we want to know the difference? Or are we, are we happy that, you know what, it doesn't really matter. I'm just glad I can fit in. You know, occasionally on a Wednesday night, I can get up to the mic and people don't yell at me to sit down. That's all, that's the maximum level of success I need. I just want to fit in the room. I just want to not be, you know, a, a, a weird Uncle Al. If you were weird Uncle Al, you wouldn't even know it. so says weird uncle Derek (laughs) love uncle Derek living water living water living water you see we're we're venturing all the time we're venturing all the time it is not enough that we have a church that's frequented by X number of people it's not enough that we have a church with passable sermons. It's not enough that we have a church where the music is ascetically pleasing. It's all about living water. When you walk through a desert and you see an oasis in a distance, if you see any greenery, if you see any, any life being produced in a dead land, you know there's water. That's why it's, the Bible's talking about living water. But where do we fit on God's scale? Now, this is where we start. We start like kids start. You know, little boy sees his dad go off. Maybe he likes trucks, so he's got a little toy truck. And you know what he does? He gets down on his hands and knees, got that little tra- truck, and he goes... You know, I mean, to him, he's, he's totally invested in the sounds, in the moment. If he's got a great imagination like I did, like, the world is lost to me when I was a kid. It's like the world disappeared and I'm playing with my G.I. Joes and the sound effects, like to me, were as real as anything else. But we all know as, as adults that this is play and this over here is real. But here's the challenge for us that we're here and we're, we're singing the songs, but do we know whether, whether power is going out or not? You mean you can know? <laughs> yeah, you absolutely can. I mean, if Jesus 
was astute enough to know somebody touched me in a way, I felt the release of power, then you can know as well. I'm not saying this to belittle us or to make you fearful about your productivity. I'm just saying, as much as we hate tests, tests are evaluations as to whether we know the material or not. Yeah, Yeah, of course, when we're talking about those kinds of tests, you know, sometimes people aren't good at taking tests, right? Yeah, it's true. But they st- you, sometimes you can still know the things, and, and yet you're not good at tests. But in the kingdom of God, God is the one who's measuring. God is the one who's promoting. God is the one who's orchestrating this. Now, the good news is this. When I was reading this morning this passage in Ezekiel, it's, it's stunning to me that he's showing him this picture because it shows us that the, the outcomes that we're longing for are inevitable. The earth will be changed. The waters, the living water will touch the sea and its waters will be healed. I mean, we are coming to a time, I mean, God has already fashioned this. He's already made it possible that living water is going to come from heaven and it's going to spew out of a collective people. But is it going to be us? Now, when we were in Abbotsford at this event, and uh, Ken and I probably remember this moment, we're worshiping, we're singing the songs, but at some point, like this morning, we got away from song songs, and we started singing spontaneous songs. And here's what I want to challenge you with. Because the same thing happens everywhere we go, and it's always the case. What happens is when things are happening in the room that are less meaningful to you, you begin to disengage. And unfortunately, meaningful to you can often be not that it's rivers of living water, but it's a song I know, or it's a, it's, it's a song I like. Or it's, it's, it's a, an environment I understand. See, when Jesus was in the market and that lady touched him, he felt power go out from him, so he knew something functional was happening. Now, today there was a point where we were worshiping, and uh, I could feel the momentum of heaven in the room. I could feel the draw, and it was like a door had opened, and I began to feel the procession of heavenly beings being ushered into the realm of the earth because of the worship that was here in this room. But as soon as you get to that place, there's a cross-section of people who don't understand the value and don't feel power moving in the room, and so they start to disengage. Start to play on your phone and respond to texts, and, and you know, or, you know, suddenly... I got to go to the bathroom and have a 15-minute conversation out in the hallway. Now, is that a sin? No. But what if the most significant part of what was happening this morning is when that, that part that was less connected to us started to unfold? Do, we, do you trust the leaders here enough to stick with it and believe it's important just based on their witness? Or, well... 
It's just optional, you know. They happen to like that song. That's probably, well, plus they're, you know, Ken is paid to be here, so, you know, he has to. I don't. Well, there was a particular point in the event in Abbotsford where the gate had opened. I mean, I could feel the traffic. We were in the city, the city of Abbotsford. Now, you have to realize the real real-time effect of the presence of God. The, the atmosphere that's out there, the amount of crime, the amount of darkness, the amount of thoughts that germinate that are evil in men's minds and women's and people's, all those things, those catastrophic things that amount to sin, amount to crime, amount to destruction, amount to the decay of a culture and a society are being, are being affected by the worship that's happening in here. Now, well, what about disciples? Yes, when you make a convert, when you cause somebody to be saved, you begin to make them a tributary of those living water, it's significant, it adds more. But even without that, demonic powers do not have free reign in our city because we have authority to affect our city. But that authority is not measured in how much, uh, you know, how many programs are running out there, but how much life is going out. See, life, the living waters is producing a commodity that's changing, that's it's like that oasis, that it's causing certain things to flourish. But how many of us can persevere through 15 minutes of singing songs that aren't, don't have text? You can only do it if you can feel the transaction. And that's something that comes with growth and maturity. Can we close that back door, please? That's something that happens with with growth and maturity. But it's something that's available to every single one of us. Jesus wanted his disciples to feel what he felt, to know the significance of what he felt was significant. And everything he was training them in was in orienting them around those things and then checking to see if they did it. And of course, at first, they just did the externals. But when that moment came when, oh, Peter, blessed be you, Peter, this was that thing that I do. First time I've seen it in any of you disciples. Way to go, dude. So we're at a place in this worship, and I feel... uh, I feel the ardent need for this this procession entering this community of Abbotsford. But about 10 minutes in, I feel the room disengaging. And it's a very real thing. All of a sudden, I know we no longer have the faith equity in the room to keep this procession going. I mean, imagine how tragic that must be for heaven. Right, we're looking, and he's looking for people who worship him in spirit and truth because it, it's not just you know, a nice sound. Oh, that's good sound, I love that. No, it's facilitating the advance of the kingdom of God. It's not just pleasant to his ears. It is, God inhabits the praises of his people. Certain kind of worship allows the substance of heaven to, to materialize in the realm of the earth. And so here we were, we're, we're singing this song, and I can feel the, the equity draining from the room rapidly. And it comes to that point where, you know, so I said, well, okay. 
All right, we're in the, in the event. It's called Open the Gates. The gate opened. Traffic was starting to come, but now we got to go to the mode of teaching about that because we no longer have the equity to do it. Now, is that an occasional problem? No, it's absolutely a continuous problem. Every day, this is what God is looking for. Is can, who can engage, who can release rivers of living water and not stop because they're bored? Well, where does it start? I, I tell people this in their school of the spirit, pray in tongues. Can you pray in tongues fervently, aggressively for more than 30 seconds? Can you do it? For 20 minutes? Can you do it for 30 minutes? Well, I, I don't see the practical value in doing it. Well, therein is the problem. See, Jesus knew, because I felt the substance leaving me, I knew something worthwhile had transpired. The first stage, because if you want to be a person, I'd like to know whether I'm contributing or not. I'd like to know whether I'm one of the ones that's disengaging. I'd like to know whether I am fueling the procession of heaven on earth. Well, can you pray in tongues for 30 minutes without being distracted? Can you be intentional in doing it? Because it says in John chapter 7 that those who believe out of their innermost being. Actually, let me read it. John 7, 38 and 39. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit, whom those believing him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let me finish with this. We're tactile, tangible people. We want real effects. We, want, we love the testimony. Somebody got a, healed from a, a drug addiction. Somebody got uh, their marriage restored. Somebody, somebody was, uh, you know, uh, had a physical healing. Friday morning, somebody got saved. They were supernaturally drawn into this building. We love those outcomes. But do we understand what fuels them? You see, when it comes to raising money, everybody loves to put money towards a building because later on you can go and look at it. Right? I mean, it's far easier when you have a tangible, physical project. It's far easier to get people invested in that. Why? Because we like to see what our money did. Well, that translates to everything in the absence of a spiritual mind, in the absence of a faith revelation. What faith does, it makes the intangibles tangible. What faith does, what this life is, what you're being trained in, what you're being prepared for is an existence in an empire that is by its very nature life, that is by its very nature spirit. And you are developing the senses to engage with that realm, with that world, with that existence on a higher and higher basis. And what you take into eternity is what you keep. So if there's a skill you want to take into eternity, it's that one. Now, we've got some nice features here in our church, nice culture. 
But if it's only culture, it's worthless. If it's only culture, if it's, oh, they got dancers here, I like dancers. I don't like dancers. I like flags. I don't like flags. If the flags and the person waving the flag is not releasing a river of life, it's pointless. But, you know, we bear with bad flagging (laughs) in the same way we bear with bad preaching. (laughs) Bad food service. You know, because you start by doing things in the natural. You, You start by doing it because there's a need, but eventually that thing becomes a spiritual ministry where you're not just giving a sandwich, you're not just waving the flag, you're not just singing a song, you're pouring out living water. We are here as a church not to just do the things that are acceptable in our particular culture, but to release living water. And the evidence that we're releasing living water is the impact on other people when we do it. And so we're always looking. I'm always looking. In my life, I'm always certain, God, how can I be better at this? I feel the desire of heaven for 10,000 churches in Canada that are not just liturgically orthodox, in terms of orthodoxy, correct, but are, have become wells, living fountains that are supplying life to their communities and making it impossible for the gate of hell to open in those communities. Worship is not what happens on the surface in terms of the visible sounds, necessarily. So Father, we pray today, God, make us an effective people. Let's stand together. Can we ask him, Lord, we're we're here, we we fit in, We've been here for a week, a month, a year, 10 years. Lord, we've, we've, we, have, we have friendships. We're comfortable with the culture. We know how to lift our hands. But Father, we pray, we pray, we pray that you take us beyond that external conformity to a culture and make us uh, sources of living water. Just stay standing. So as Mark's talking here, the Lord's just, how can I know? Oh, God, I want to know. It sounds real, but how can I know? And I can feel that. And the Lord just reminded me of my own journey. So I've got just a quick little story for you guys. So in the course of about three weeks, as a worship leader in this house, where it's almost your job to go to that well that you think is living water and go, here, everybody, drink with me. You know, you kind of feel that. And so I remember there was this one Sunday, and I don't know how long ago this was, but to me, it seemed like, to me, to me, the best worship I've ever brought to the house. I remember just, I remember singing, and like, I remember even having tears while I was singing. I'm like, that's the sign. Like, man, I just brought worship to this house, and I totally, and so I remember after, um, after it was done, I was like, okay, so, and I think maybe I saw Mark later on and heard him talking elsewhere. It wasn't directed at me, but he was kind of evaluating worship. And this is going to sound so harsh, but I love Mark so much uh, because the facts are the facts, right? And so Mark, Mark is talking and goes, yeah, you know, there was just something missing this morning. 
You know, he was saying to somebody else, like, I'm sitting on a couch over here, you know, sipping, and there's something missing, and I'm like, oh, really? Like, in my world, I'm like, serious? Like, if there was one time, like, I cried and stuff. (laughs) If there was one time that I knew I was on, okay, now, 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 I have a choice there to be like, what does he know? Right? I do. I have a choice there. I'm the one doing worship. You know, he doesn't even play the guitar, right? There's that choice, or there's the choice, oh, I've walked with this guy for 17 years, and I honor him, and perhaps he knows something more than I do, although it's horrific for me to actually consider that. Now the story goes on. About three weeks later, I'm doing worship in the exact same spot, and I just feel like I'm dead, and I feel like every single thing that comes out of me, and I felt like the room, like, you know, I'm reading a room every time, and I feel like, oh, there's nothing. This is just a bag of potatoes. And I actually left worship just like, oh, I never want to do this again. Okay, so like two complete opposites. And I remember uh, Mark actually came up to me and was like, man, that was one of the best <laughs> worship times. The room opened up. There was so much life. And I remember being like, are you like, are you so here's our question. How do I know? How can I know? All I learned in that moment is I don't know. Right? My soul, not my spirit, my soul was sure because I cried and wept while singing. That was the Lord. And then in another moment, my soul felt like there was nothing in it at all. And that was the most life that came out of me. Interesting. And so the posture that I had to start taking from that point is, one, I don't know. Like that's actually the, the, the terrifying humility. So every time I come up to be here, but this is for all of us, you, you, you find this, we do this thing as humans where we go, this worked over here, so you lean towards it. I'm going to do this all the time. This didn't work here. But actually coming in in this neutral feeling, of, I actually don't know, and I honor those around me that do know enough that I'm going to watch them. And actually through that process, there's this, there's this cultivating over time. But you can't do that without honor. You actually can't figure this thing out alone. That's not how God designed it. He actually put those ahead of us that we can honor and, and watch and see. And even, guys, to be super candid with you, every Sunday I still don't know and I watch Mark. <laughs> every Sunday, and if I sing something out, my eyes, now you're all going to watch me from now on. (laughs) But if you see me at Alberta Linked, if you see me at the altar leading for 1,700 people, I will still watch for Mark, and the moment I take a step into the Spirit, because I don't know anymore, I just don't know anymore, I look, and if there's a confirmation, because I trust him, and I trust those that God's put ahead of me, and then God honors that. And then you feel, it's like an apprenticeship, but he's wanting to apprentice all of us. In it, right, that's, that's the thing. So anyways, I'll leave it at that. That's so good. You know, if you ever watched like America's Got Talent, and uh, what's that guy from the UK's name? Simon. Simon, Cowell. Is it Cowell? Anyway, he, he was doing this thing with this guy. This guy comes up and he said, well, you know, what, what makes you want to be here? Well, he said, well, my mom says I sing well. <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, he says, that, that's not a great 
endorsement. You know, all moms think their kids sing well. So what the Lord is giving us, though, is people that see more than us. But the terrifying reality is, am I willing to subject how much I see to somebody else? And that, that test right there, that test right there. And again, it's like, well, my friend says I pray really well. Mark said that wasn't very anointed. There are scales of good. There are orders of excellence, just like in the sports world. You could be a good hockey player on the level of Saskatchewan small town, but it doesn't mean you'll ever make it to junior or semi-pro or pro. There are, there are depths to everything. And Jesus challenged the Pharisees. He said, because you say you see, you remain as you are. And so are we willing? I, 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 my quest, I, I do everything I can to get around people that see more in the hopes that what they see will become apparent to me. That should be our orientation. So Father, we pray today. Pray for people. Maybe, maybe you'd like somebody to lay hands on you. Maybe you feel like, I don't think I see it all. You know, is, can any of this come to me by laying on of hands? Yeah, some of it can. Some of it comes by experience. Some of it comes by laying on of hands. Some of it comes by impartation. Some of it comes by being here week in, week out for four years. It comes in all kinds of different ways. But if you like prayer, if you like to even bring your brokenness, even your confession, I, I don't think I see as much. I see some, but I want to see more. Bring that desire to the front. But let's lean in for a few minutes, and I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that you've given us uh, an option to see. You've invited us. Lord, Revelations talks about a balm uh, that can heal our eyes. Father, we want to know what this is about. Lord, we don't want to be shooting in the dark. We don't want to be hoping that we're effective because one day we're going to stand before you and what we truly did will be evident to all of heaven. Why would we wait till then? Father, we want to know now. As a church, we want to know, Lord, are we producing life? Are we everything we could be for this community? We want to know. Can you say that? Let's say it together. We want to know. One, two, three. We want to know. You're free to go if you need to go and get your kids or everything else. We're dismissed. We're just going to spend some time in the presence.